Valentine's Day. A day of love, romance, and murder. It's a day that is special for most couples, to show their love and appreciation for each other. But for some couples, it's the day their relationship ended bloodied. We'll be discussing a few cases revolving around Valentine's Day, from an Olympic and Paralympic runner who shot his girlfriend, to a man who killed his wife and pretended she ran away, to a doctor who may have murdered his seemingly perfect wife. Let's talk about it. Get so scared. Intro music. probably put a warning at the beginning oh yeah all that a lot of triggering things said in this podcast so hello hey everybody it's uh mimi cannon hi welcome back to the so scared podcast and i got with me caitlin of course always caitlin and also we have buster with us here but he's very sleepy and he's just sitting he got a new bone so he's been tired from playing with that so much Ugh. So, he probably won't do much. But, yeah. So Scared Podcast. Uh, go follow us on social media. All the, the, all the tags, all the ats are down in the description. So, check us out. Social media. Go there. And, yeah. So, what's your thoughts? What do you, what's your vibe from the intro? Caitlin? Mm-hmm. feel like it's probably just going to be, like, rejection or um, built up, like, anger that they had in their relationship just, like, busting out through that day. Because mm-hmm. they're both probably stressed about it going good, and so that doesn't help the, like, tension that might have been building in the relationship. Or the guy might be crazy and it has nothing to do with it at all. Yeah. Uh, there's a few, because I have three different cases that I'm talking about. I'm not going super in-depth on any of them. I don't expect this episode to be very long. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think for some of them, you're kind of right. Are you ready to get into it? Yeah. Okay, first one is Oscar Pistorius. Hmm. Uh going to talk about him a little bit. He was born November 22nd, tw- November 22nd, in 1986 in Santon, Johannesburg in South Africa. Uh, at 11 months old, he had both of his feet amputated between his knees and ankles due to a congenital defect. And he was also born missing the outside of both of his feet and missing both fibula. Yeah, so he was just no no feet. Uh, but he was still active. He played rugby, water polo, and tennis. And he was also in his wrestling club. Um, in 2003, he had a serious knee, knee injury from rugby. And after going through rehabilitation, he was introduced to running in 2004. So he got fitted for racing blade prosthetics. And he began mm-hmm. training. Uh, so he became a runner. Uh, throughout his career, he was referred to as the Blade Runner and the fastest man on no legs. Uh, he competed in T44 events, which is the disability sports classification, meaning like a single below-the-knee amputation like hmm. runner. But, I mean, obviously he had both legs amputated so he actually he did also qualify for t43 which is double below the knee amputation Mm -hmm. uh he was in the 2004 summer paralympics in athens where he came third in the t44 100 meter event and qualified for the final in the 200 meter event uh and he won in the final with a world record time of 21.97 seconds Mm -hmm. 
throughout the years, he competed in a lot of other races. Uh, he was he did very well. He was well known. I've heard of him before just because of like how good of a runner he's been. Well, he was uh, before going to jail. Uh, he won a lot of competitions and he made a lot of world records. Uh, yeah, he did a lot of running. He was real good at it. He was also, I've heard of this, I don't know if you've heard of this, but this was a thing that popped up a while ago. He was the subject of discussion about prosthetic legs um, on whether they give an unfair advantage in races. Are you kidding me? Yeah, so like essentially it was the thought of like if people with prosthetic legs ran against people who weren't didn't have amputated legs. The idea of like the prosthetic legs being built to give them an extra bounce, making them like faster than people who just had normal legs. So I didn't really go into all of that. Uh, he was like a part of like some studies and stuff of people looking into that. And I didn't really look into it because that's not really what I'm talking about. I just thought it was interesting to point out. Uh, just I have in my notes, my gut reaction to that idea is just that that seems kind of dumb. But I, I don't know what the results of the studies were. So Yeah, I feel like that's really dumb. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I can see where they're coming from, but it's like, they don't have legs. What are they supposed to do? Yeah, like, if they want to run, they have to have prosthetics, so it's like, so, I mean, yeah, it's kind of a dumb thing. Um, but now, what we're really talking about, I'm about, on February 14th, Valentine's Day, in 2013, Oscar Pistor, I knew I was going to mess up saying his last name. Pistorius shot and killed his girlfriend, Riva Steenkamp, in his home. Um, he fired the gun through a locked bathroom door. Uh, afterwards, like he admitted that he had shot her four times, but he claimed the reason was because he thought she was an intruder, and so he was, you know, defending his home. Yeah, right. Um... Over a year later, on March 4th, 2014, they began his trial, but they adjourned until June 30th so that he could be given a psychiatric evaluation to see if he could be held criminal, criminal, criminally insane, criminally responsible. Yeah. Uh, the judge agreed to the evaluation after a forensic psychiatrist testified that she diagnosed Pistorius with generalized anxiety disorder. That's, Are you kidding me? That's what he had, and that's why they were giving him an evaluation. Which it's like, yeah. I have generalized anxiety disorder. I've never shot somebody four times. Yeah, and it's like, having anxiety doesn't just mean, like, you aren't held responsible for a crime. Like, you know what you're doing. Like, Okay, yeah. Um, I'm sorry, I have anxiety. Uh, I'm going to rob this bank real quick. Yeah. But so, it's okay, I have anxiety, so I'm not responsible for it. I found that really ridiculous. Like, if it had been like, oh, he had, like, schizophrenia or something like that, then it's like, okay, a little bit more understandable. But it's just anxiety. Like, that doesn't let you get away with murder. Like, you can't do that. Anxiety is... Very, very watered-down paranoia, where, well, with me, I feel like I have more than generalized anxiety. I feel like I have worse than that, but it's just, like, you kind of, not to put it into so few words, but you get really worried about things, and to get so worried about something, an intruder in your house where you shoot your girlfriend four times, girlfriend, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. She went into the bathroom and locked the door. I don't understand how you could have shot her four times and mm. thinking she was an intruder. Like, you didn't know she was in your house, but she got to the bathroom and locked the door without you knowing. Yeah, that's true. I didn't even think about that. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Because an intruder would go into your bathroom and lock the door. <laughs> no, they'd go in there to, like, rob you or something. Yeah, why would they? what would they be stealing from the bathroom? Or like? unless there's somebody who's, like, trying to run away from something. Yeah. So, yeah, obviously, on June 30th, they, they started the trial because the evaluation found that he could be held criminally responsible. Like, 
Um, the trial ended with the closing arguments on August 7th and 8th, and on September 12th, uh, he was found guilty of culpable, culpable homicide and also for, for, also for uh, firearm-related charges of reckless endangerment. Um, and I have that culpable homicide is a category of homicide in certain legal systems. And it has, like, different definitions for different places. But in South Africa, which is where this happened, uh, culpable homicide is essentially the same as involuntary manslaughter in America. Uh, so that's what that, is, that means. Um, October of 2014, he was sentenced five years in prison for the culpable homicide and also three-year suspended prison sentence for the firearm charges. But in November of 2014, prosecutors applied to appeal the culpable homicide verdict, and they stated that the five-year prison sentence was shockingly light, inappropriate, and would not have been imposed by any reasonable court. So, which I kind of agree. That seems like not enough time. So, in June of 2015, he was recommended for early release, after serving about one-sixth of his sentence, um, his release to house arrest was announced to be August 21st of 2015 due to good behavior, but two days before he was to be released, it was blocked, and it was said that the decision for early release was premature. Um, this could have been because of political pressure, but also his early release could have like had implications implications on other cases that were pending early release so it could have been like if they released him early it might have like been used to help other people get released early and stuff like that so they kind of stopped it maybe yeah. um but a month later on october 19th he was released from prison during the appeal um on November 3rd, the appeal was heard before five Supreme Court judges, and by unanimous decision, they overturned the conviction of culpable homicide, and he was found guilty of just murder. They decided that who they decided that who he thought he was shooting at had nothing to do with the results of his actions. And Pistorius must have known someone would die when he fired his gun through the closed door that he shot Reba through. I don't know. With our neighborhood, if there was an intruder in my bathroom and I had a gun, I would shoot them. Yeah. Four times? Probably not. But I don't know what I would do in that situation because it's I would probably like freeze up or my emotions wouldn't be like a normal person's. Like I'd probably get overwhelmed and I wouldn't know what to do so I, I was thinking that like if I was in his situation would I like I don't know what I would do because I've never been in that situation first of all but also like I say that oh I'd probably shoot them like once if I had a gun but it's also like there's no way an intruder could get into our house and, and get to our bathroom. get to our bathroom and lock the door without us knowing yeah like they would run into us before getting to the bathroom. So, so, I mean, I don't know the layout of his house or apartment, but I, there's no way that he didn't know that it was his girlfriend in there. I don't know how big of a house he had, but I would assume it was kind of large because, I mean, he was a fairly successful and well-known runner. But also, I feel like if you didn't know it was your girlfriend and you heard somebody like moving around in your bathroom or something... I'd be like, that stupid white girl does in the movie. Who's there? Yeah, you would ask who's you'd be there. Like, or you, I feel like if you're nor you see your girlfriend being over there, maybe you just came home, and like you didn't know that she was there already. I don't know. And she's in the bathroom and moving around. You'd be like, babe, Reva, are yeah. you in there? Are you home? Something. So that you would know that you weren't shooting your girlfriend. That you were shooting an intruder. Yeah. But I feel like if I got home and heard somebody in the bathroom, I'd be like, Colin? Yeah. 
and like wait and you'd probably go to the bathroom door and be like calling just make sure but even then it's like what if there's something wrong with you and like that's why you're not responding to me like if you're in the bathroom like moving stuff around and you're not responding to me you could possibly be like hurt or something mm-hmm. so it's also like i don't even know if then i would shoot you so yeah i think that's like the big thing is just that why he got murder instead of like the involuntary manslaughter is because like there's so many things he could have done before just shooting into the room yeah to like prevent this so uh, a quote actually from one of the judges this is a quote although he may have been anxious it is inconceivable that a rational person could have believed he was entitled to fire at this person with a heavy caliber firearm without taking even that most elementary precaution of firing a warning shot, which the accused said he elected not to fire, as he thought the ricochet might harm him. So, even the judge was like, you could have, like, just fired a warning shot, but you chose not to because you were worried or even that you would been like, yourself. If they are, there's a window in the bathroom or something, I'm giving you a chance to leave. I don't know. Like, yeah. But, yeah, my thing is he didn't even call out to his girlfriend first to see if it was her. Yeah. So, uh, after that decision, he was then sentenced six years for murder, but there was another appeal against that, uh, against the, quote, shockingly lenient six-year jail sentence. So in November of 2017, which that's pretty recent, uh, his sentence was increased to 13 years and five months he won't be eligible for parole until at least 2023, so next year. So he's still in jail. He, he won't even have a chance to do parole until next year. So that is the first Valentine's Day murder. Yeah, it was also Valentine's Day, so like, yeah. <laughs> you were with her, I'm assuming like should be with her i would assume they would have some kind of plans for valentine's day i don't know if she was coming over let's just give him the benefit of the doubt if she was coming over for valentine's day and he had like left to go get a last minute ingredient for dinner or something um and it came home and like didn't know that she was home if they had plans which i'm assuming they did he would have done that where it would have been like hey is it you in there yeah. I don't know. So, that's the first one. Uh, the second one is uh, Stephen Grant and the murder of Tara Lynn Grant. So, Tara Lynn Grant, uh, she was married to Stephen Grant. I guess that's kind of obvious. Uh, they had two children, a girl and a boy. Uh, in their house, they also had an... Yeah, I, I knew I was going to have troubles with this. An, it's A-U. Our, oh, our, 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 our pair of, an our pair from Germany. Uh, her name was Verena Dierks, which, um, that is, an our, our pair is a foreign worker that works in homes and does housework and, like, childcare. It's kind of like, ow, but, ow? 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 Our pair. I think. So, yeah. It's a government thing. It's uh, meant to help, like, younger people. Normally women experience other cultures. Um, On February 14th, 2007, the Macomb County Sheriff's Office in Michigan received a call from Stephen Grant. He had called to report that Tara had been missing for five days. According to Stephen, this wasn't the first time his wife had just left the house, which is why he hadn't reported her missing sooner. Uh, He also said that on February 9th, the day she had supposedly went missing, he had overheard her on the phone, and she had been, she had said something about meeting whoever she was talking to at the end of their driveway, and he said he later saw her get in a dark-colored car that drove off and hadn't seen or heard from her after that. So... Uh, the day after Stephen reported Tara missing, he got stopped by police and arrested for driving with a suspended license. Uh, over the next two weeks, 
Stephen made a lot of media appearances and even accused the police of harassing him. Uh, he claimed that the police used that suspended license arrest as an excuse to take him in and question him about Tara's dis- disappearance more. Duh. Yeah. I mean, you're the husband. Like, generally... Last one to see her. Alive. Yeah. Generally, like, like, in cases where, like, somebody's killed like this, it's normally the husband or somebody close to them, so... Even if it wasn't, you should question that one anyway. See if there's anything that they can tell you about that day that might be helpful. Yeah. Even if you're not, like, what's the word? Accusing them. You still might be some helpful information that they have that you need. Yeah. Which it's like, they could have been harassing him, but also, like, if they wanted to question him, wouldn't they just do that? Wouldn't they just, like, come up to him and be like, hey, we have questions for you. Like, we want to ask you some stuff. Well, I feel like the way he reacted to it is a bad sign. Yeah. To be like, look, you're harassing me. (laughs) Like, what? Sure. Uh, the police denied accusations of harassing him, and according to them, Stephen was not very cooperative in the investigation. Huh. So. Hmm. Doesn't look good for you, buddy. On March 2nd, they figured out why he wasn't co- cooperative, uh, because they were able to perform a search of the Grant family's home in Washington Township, Michigan. During their search, they found a plastic garbage bag in the garage. And inside of it was a dismembered human torsus. Torsus? Torsus? Torso. Uh, believed to be Tara's. So, they found Tara's body in his garage. Hmm. Uh. Almost like the way you were reacting kind of said that without you having to say it. Yeah. But during their search, Stephen had ran away. So the police got an arrest warrant for Stephen and they began searching for him. Which, if they're searching his house, why wouldn't they have an officer watching him? Why did they give him the opportunity to run away while they're searching his house? Probably since they had already been suspicious of him. Yeah. To begin with. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. But, I mean, just two days later, the police were able to track a phone call he made to his sister, and he was found... 225 miles away in northern Michigan's Wilderness State Park. What did he do with their, his children? I think he just left them in his house. I mean, he just ran. How old were they? Oh, gosh. I don't remember. It was... Oh, I didn't write down their names, but I believe at most around 10. I would assume, if they tracked him with a call to his sister, so I would assume that, like, they would... He was calling his sister about his children? Yeah, I would just, I, I believe, most likely... I didn't... But, I mean, he murdered his wife, so who knows if he cared about his children. True. Not right in the head. Yeah. I would assume, I didn't see anything about this, but I would assume, since the police were there when he ran, they most likely would have worked out taking his kids to his sister or some other family member. But they were probably being held in like um some kind of child support thing. Like they wouldn't just immediately give them to the first family member they saw. They I think they probably have to like what? evaluate the family members that are willing and that are like because legally there's like you have to go to like a first person first. Like it wouldn't just be the first family member you see. Like it has to be like the grandma and the next like. The mom's sister, or yeah. something like that. Like, so. Yeah. I, I didn't see... You wouldn't just see the first family member be like, here you go! Yeah. I probably should have looked into that, but I didn't see anything about it, so I didn't really think about that. But, yeah. So, I didn't even think that. He just ran away and just left his kids, like... Well, obviously, like, for the time being, they could have possibly just stayed at his sister's, but... Yeah. I mean, that's what the first thing that came to my head was like, why would you just... Man, he really does You don't suck. know how old they were, because you didn't write it down, but... Ugh. They weren't very old. I, I know that. I mean, at least old enough to, like, go into the fridge and get something to eat, even if it's not, like, a meal. Like, they don't want enough 10-year-olds to make themselves a sandwich. <laughs> it depends on the child. Yeah. Um, 
but like to go into the fridge and get something but then like what if they need to go to the hospital what if like like what if somebody hurts them like i don't know there's a lot of things that could have happened that just shows that like he's not he's worse than they thought like it wasn't just a fight with his wife that went bad like he chopped her up and then left his kids. Like, he's yeah. a little Also the worse. fact that he just had her torso in his garage, in his house where his kids are, too. Like, what if the kid had found that? Like, Yeah, like, going to the garage, you're like, hmm, what's this? Oh, that's my mother! Yeah, so, not great. Uh, so, yeah, they found him. Uh, when they found him, uh, he had no extra clothing to protect him from the cold, and he had liquor and some pills he had taken from his sister's house, and he was planning on killing himself in State Park. Uh, so he was taken into custody. Well, I'm glad they got him before he could do that, because he doesn't deserve... To just get out. He get, he has to face those issues. Yeah. Uh, Not took... to say that people who do that deserve it, but people who kill their wives should have to face the punishment. Yeah. They shouldn't get to have that way. They shouldn't just get to... Like, that's why with, like, things like, um, the death sentence. It's like, no. You should get to have to live with what you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I... I'm not gonna get into it, but I'm against the death sentence for not just those reasons, but also the reason of, like, innocent people who have been killed by the government just because... They put the wrong person away for the crime. Yeah, so it's like, I I don't think I like that, but, I mean, I know I don't like that, but, yeah. It's good that they caught him, especially since, like, I mean, there was still some stuff they didn't, like, know why or stuff, and so it's, like, able to, like, get some more information out of him before. So, but after they found him, they airlifted him to a hospital for treatment of hypothermia, because this was, like, when did I say it was? It was, like, in March, up in Michigan, so... I mean, right after Valentine's Day. Yeah, so it's kind of cold, and yeah. he had, like, no jackets or anything. Like, he was just up there. So, they took him in for hyperthermia, and while in the hospital, he confessed to the murder, and he told the police everything he did. Uh, essentially, Tara had just gotten home from a work trip to Puerto Rico, and on February 9th, they had an argument because Stephen accused Tara of spending too much time with a co-worker of hers. Also, uh, apparently Stephen had been having an affair with their au pair, uh, Verena. And as their argument escalated... You're having an affair? I can't spend time with my co-worker? Like, yeah, it's like he's having an affair. Look in the mirror, sir. Her. Yeah. So he strangled her to death. With their two kids asleep in the house. Like, he killed her in the house with the kids there. Um, and then after reporting Tara missing on Valentine's Day, uh, Stephen then took her body to his father's tool and dye shop, where he dismembered her and hid the body parts in a nearby park. But the reason he had her torso in his garage is because he learned that the police planned to search the park, so he went back to recover the body and hid it in his garage. But he only had a tor- her torso. Yeah, so I'm not really so sure. So you get all of her? Rest. Yeah, I don't know if like they they also, found the torso, but the rest was also in the garage. They're or... gonna search the park, so I should move the body. But they're not gonna search your house. Yeah, it's like they're gonna search the house eventually too. Like like. And after they searched the park, why didn't he then go and hide the body again? Like, so, after he was released from, uh, oh, I put after he was released from prison. It's after he was released from the, the hospital, hospital, he was charged with first-degree murder and also two counts of mutilation of a dead body. Uh, there's not much to his trial because, I mean, he confessed to everything, so they didn't really have to do much to get guilty. On December 21st of 2007, he was found guilty of second-degree murder and of dismemberment, and he was sentenced to 50 to 80 years for the murder and 6 to 10 years for the dismemberment. So, uh, 
Stephen also apparently tried to appeal this sentence, which failed. Uh, he also petitioned for right of habeas corpus, which is essentially unlawful imprisonment. What? Because he claimed the police improperly obtained his confession while he was being treated in the hospital, and this was denied as well. We didn't need your confession. Yeah, they sort of found the body. You reported her missing when your body was in the garage. Yeah, so it's like they didn't even really need the confession, but he still tried to get out. Even if he was, let's say he didn't do it. So he was trying to protect somebody who did do it. I don't know. Um, Why would you report her missing? I mean, in that instance, if she just went missing and he never said anything, like, that would be suspicious. So, I mean, like, I feel like it's the thing, it's like, when somebody murders their wife, it's like, I feel like that's why it's, like, often, like, they don't get away with it, because it's like, your options are pretend, like, nothing happened and then eventually people will be like where's your wife why aren't you worried about where she is and then they'll be like oh you probably killed her or you can report it missing and as like the husband you're the first subject and they will most likely figure something out and catch you so it's like seems like a lot of times when people murder their significant other they don't get away with it because there's no real good way to cover it up well, especially when you react in the way that he did. Yeah, especially it's like, like if you were innocent, you wouldn't be like they're harassing me. It's like I'm you would. The first thought would be, "Oh, I'm her husband. Of course, they're going to question me first. Like, yeah. If I didn't do it, maybe I should like not act the way that I am and just comply and be like, "Here's all I know. I didn't do it, but your her body was in your garage, so yeah." So, uh, and then also a little extra sadness at the end of this case. Uh, according to a man who had a neighboring shop to Stephen's father's, uh, his father never recovered from what Stephen had done. And on June 13th in 2008, Stephen's father killed himself because of it. So, well, I wouldn't be able to go back to my business again. Yeah, knowing that your son dismembered Use his wife there. Your tools and that building is now haunted like you can't yeah so and you also probably thought about you probably he probably blamed himself a little bit because he was his father being like what did i do wrong in a childhood that he murdered somebody like yeah so obviously stephen grant is still in prison and his earliest possible release date is march 3rd of 2057 but yeah I mean, I believe it was this one. There's also other, some of the other things, like, I guess Stephen was more of a stay-at-home dad, and she did a lot of work trips, and I believe I read somewhere that, like, it seemed that he was upset because he wanted to, like, have a, like, he wanted to get into politics, but he wasn't able to, and so he may have been, you know, a little bit upset and jealous of his wife which may so have why don't you just it. sit down and talk to your wife and be like can we work something out so yeah. that i can follow what i want to do and you can still do what you do have like some communication in your relationship you know white men they don't do that so that was the second one so far uh both of them have had you know the murderer confess to what they did I wanted to kind of backtrack on what I said that, and I'm not, I wasn't, like, victim blaming the father. Like, it wasn't his fault, obviously. Yeah, it wasn't his fault. I was fault, just saying, like, but... there's understandable motive behind him doing that. The yeah. father, the, the grandpa doing that. Yeah. You can under, yeah, it's like, it's not his fault that his son did that, but, I mean, you can understand why he's so upset. So... The last one is John Hamilton. So, Dr. John Baxter Hamilton, he was an OBGYN in Oklahoma City, and in 2001, he was 52, and his wife of 14 years, Susan, was 55. Uh, This was both of their second marriages, and 
by all accounts, I mean, everybody said that they were madly in love. It seems like a very good relationship. And John was thought of as I a... I mean, 14 years. 14 years, yeah. 14 years. You could go... I don't know how you could go 14 years without being happy, but, I mean, people have done it. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. That kind of seems to make sense. Yeah. And uh, John was also thought as a romantic... Apparently, he had surprised Susan with a Porsche on their wedding day. Wow. Yeah. Must be nice. And he gave her other expensive gifts throughout their marriage and stuff. So, uh, Well, hopefully that was her um, love language. Yeah. Gifts. Hopefully. I mean, I, I'm assuming if they were seemingly so happy and together for 14 years. For me, that's kind of a red flag. To give... To get such an expensive gift without, like, I don't know, if I was married to somebody and I got a Porsche on our wedding day, I'd be like, what this? <laughs> but, like, I don't know, maybe they were financially stable enough where they could get one on a win. Yeah. But it is just whenever a man or anybody in a relationship gets, like, an expensive gift like that to somebody, it feels kind of like they're overcompensating for something, unless that is their significant other's love language. Like, if your love language is gift-giving, you should make sure that the person you're giving the gift to, that's also their love language. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think financially they were pretty good because he was a doctor. True. Yeah. Uh, Susan worked part-time at John's clinic, uh, and at this clinic, John performed abortions. And being in a conservative state of Oklahoma, they both received threats because of that. Of course. Uh, the incident happened on Valentine's Day, 2001. According to John, this is what John said happened. He had left that morning to perform surgery at 7 a.m. He then came home to give Susan her Valentine's Day gifts. And after 9, went back to the hospital for another surgery. And then when he came home a couple hours later, he said he found the back door to his house open and his wife dead, naked, and laying in a pool of blood on the bathroom floor. So, she had been strangled with two of his ties, and her head was bashed so badly that some of her brain was showing. Oh my god. And the weapon that was used was never found. Um, so, of course, he called 911. Uh, frantic, he told the operator he was going to perform CPR, and then when the Perform police... CPR? Her brain is showing! Yeah. Dude, she's blood! I mean, there could be a chance. There's been... Sometimes humans survive some crazy things, so... Her brain is exposed. Yeah. Okay. Not uh, what I would have done, but okay. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I understand being desperate, like if... Yeah. I, like I keep saying, give him the benefit of the doubt. If it was you, I'd understand being desperate and trying to, like, do something. But, again, your brain is showing. No matter what you try, you know that it's not going to do anything. Like, Yeah. I, I don't think there was much that could have been done in this situation. So, but when the police and medical team arrived, they found him panicked and covered in blood. Uh, as the police started to investigate, there was the theory that Susan had been killed by an anti-abortionist. However, they never found any evidence of that. Okay, if she was, which she isn't, wasn't obviously. Um, why was she naked? That's true. Maybe she was just getting out of the shower. Anti-abortionist? Was she near a bathroom? She was in the bathroom, I believe. Where she, she was. was I believe. Yes, she was on the bathroom floor. Okay, well, so I mean, it could have been something like that, but yeah, but at the crime scene, they found no forced entry, nothing stolen, so that they ruled out robbery gone wrong, and also no bloody footprints leading away from the body. Uh, they then started to find flaws. I mean, take shoes off. That's true. Just take your shoes off. If, if you just killed somebody them. and you were kind of smart. Um, you would try to not leave evidence, but also if you just killed somebody, you're probably not in the right headspace to make sure you don't leave evidence. Yeah. So I guess that makes sense. Also, 
if it had been a robbery gone wrong, I mean, if they just ran into somebody and then killed them like that, I mean, they could have been too freaked out to, like, go through with the robbery and just, like, ran away. Yeah. Or, depending on the time frame, I mean, it could have happened right when John was coming home and they got scared off and left. True. And that's why they didn't take anything. So, I mean, it still could have been something like that, maybe. But, uh, apparently... this is the only one that seems like it could have possibly not been him. That's... We'll get to the end. I feel like there is a chance that it's not him. But, I mean, we'll get to why I think that later on. I mean, there's a lot of marriages, I'm sure a lot of you listening know this, that seem okay on the outside, but you don't know what happens, like, at home. At home. And there's they get a divorce issues. and they're like, I wasn't happy my whole marriage. And you're like, oh shit, <laughs> we all thought you were. You seem so happy. So, not to say that, oh, because they seem to be in a good relationship and all that stuff that we said at the beginning means he didn't do it. This one just out he of... He could have still done it. <laughs> this one, I, like I said, the first two, there was a confession. We'll get into this one, like, he never confesses. And I feel there's less evidence which we'll get into so it's like the first two i feel like pretty sure those two both did it this guy i'm like mm, i mean he's the husband so probably but also maybe not but i don't know i'm not an expert so but yeah they started to find flaws in john's story and in the marriage uh as i said on the phone john said he was going to do cpr on his wife he said he performed mouth-to-mouth. However, there was no blood on John's face, despite Susan's face wounds. They also found Susan's Valentine's Day card to John, and inside she wrote, I bought this two weeks ago, so I guess maybe it doesn't seem as appropriate, but I do love you. Have a good day, Susan. So, Obviously they had a fight or something. Yeah, something happened recently. So it made it seem like their marriage wasn't as good as everyone thought. Uh, They also learned that the couple had recent fights about money. And a friend of Susan's revealed that Susan had found out John had made more than 60 calls to a patient of his who was a topless dancer. And Susan believed John was having an affair and she was thinking about divorce. So uh, So now... My red flag about expensive gifts makes sense because they had money issues. Yeah, so, I mean, you're kind of right. Uh, They found small traces of Susan's blood and hair in John's car. However, the short time between John's two surgeries that day would have made it hard for him to have killed Susan. And then the police learned that John was late to the second surgery. So... They were kind of like, oh, this wasn't really enough time in between the two surgeries. But then they realized, like, he was late to the second one. So it's like, he could have been late because he was killed her. If he is the killer, he is one sick motherfucker to kill his wife and then be steady enough in the head and physically to perform a surgery. That's true, yeah. He would have had to do a surgery. Man, that would be crazy. Like... You can just shut that part of your brain off, the part that just killed your wife, and turn into doctor surgery mode that quickly? Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So they charged him with murder and he was denied bail. Uh, the trial began in December of 2001, and throughout it, John had many supporters who still thought as thought of him as a gentle, kind, and devoted husband. Even with the info of the calls to the stripper patient being public, some even think that if John was having an affair, that possibly his mistress was the murderer. So in the trial, the prosecution painted the picture of John coming home from his first surgery of the day, and then after an argument, he killed her. While cleaning up, he got paged to perform the second surgery. They believed... On the way in, he disposed of the weapon and then afterwards came home to discover the murder. So that's what the prosecution was saying really happened. I don't know how true this is. Obviously, I'm not a doctor and I don't know any doctors. Um, but I feel like doctors probably have knowledge about like cleaning up blood and how to like 
clean that off of yourself? Because if he's doing surgeries, yeah, I'm assuming he's like wearing gloves and stuff. But there's most likely blood from performing the abortions. So, well, I don't know if that's all he did, but from his surgeries, yeah. So he would know how to clean up all of that and not leave a trace. Of so it. that's true. He didn't like leave any footprints. Because if he is a doctor who's like leaving a patient's blood everywhere, yeah, that's a hazard. So I guess that's true. I mean, they didn't really find much evidence that he did it there. So I mean, he could have been because he cleaned it up really well because he knows what he's doing. And then left the scene clean to make it seem like he walked in on it. Yeah, I didn't think about that. That's true. Uh, so yeah, but for the defense, John said the blood in his car was because he had moved his car for emergency vehicles. So after finding his wife, he says that he got into his car to move it, which is why he says there's traces of blood and hair from his wife. Mm. They also brought in the stripper patient that he called a bunch during the trial, and she said she had met John in the early... Okay. Buster's crawling into my lap. One second. Sorry. Come on. Alright. She had met John in the early 1990s when she had gotten an abortion. And she continued to go to him for medical care. Uh, she did admit to performing dances for John. And that he called her multiple times in the months before the murder. But denied that they had an affair. Well, because she doesn't want to look like a mistress. Yeah, I that's mean, that's gone crazy. Yeah, could be that she's like this man. If this man did it and he's insane, I don't want any part of it. <laughs> it wasn't me, I promise. Yeah, but most of the evidence uh, seemed to have come from blood stain pattern experts, which, if you ask me, is pseudoscience at best, and at worst, it's just. I put in my notes. I'm just gonna say what I put in my notes. I said, at worst, uh, bloodstain pattern is palm reading of forensic science. Is that where they take a black light and, like... It's essentially just looking at how the blood splattered and just being oh, okay. like, oh, this is what it means. So, an- like, analyzing crime scenes. I thought you meant it's, like, when they clean up blood, but it, if you put a black light, you can still see it? Yeah, no. It's like, when you like clean that. up bodily fluids and then, like, when they do it with hotels and stuff? You can still see, like, the traces of it. Yeah. I thought that's what they meant. That That's something I'm like, but that's not, though. It's, but that's, yeah, that's, like, actually... Analyzing, like, the blood splatters and stuff like that is something that I think is really interesting. So, your comment on that makes me a little bit upset. I get that. It is interesting, and you can infer information from it, but you'll see But to base your whole, it, like... Whole evidence or case, case on it yeah. i guess is yeah i don't know when they do that and i obviously watch true crime shows and when they do that in the shows it, it's always like it makes sense to me but if that's all you got yeah it's not much if that's all you got uh so according to the prosecution's expert the blood stains on john's shoes meant he was present when his wife was murdered the defense also brought in an expert who said the blood stains on John's shirt showed that he had tried to save Susan's life. However, when the prosecution questioned the defense's expert, they asked him if anything had been missed, and he said yes. The defense's expert said that the blood splatter inside John's cuff of his shirt was likely to have been splattered from a blow to Susan's head. And with that information, the jury deliberated for only two hours before finding John guilty of first-degree murder, and he was sentenced to life in prison. I'm confused why he only had a little bit of blood on his cuff. If he was pounding her in the head with something, it would be all over. It would be a lot more, you would think. But according to the expert... Then a drop on his cuff. Yeah, just like some splatter inside of his shirt. If he, like, if he had something over his shirt, like, if he was wearing something over it, 
and he was planning the murder that far ahead that he was like, I need to wear something that I'm going to, like, get rid of, then I, I guess I understand how it could splatter on the inside of his cuff when it's, like, hanging down like that. Mm-hmm. But... But he had blood on the outside of his shirt, too, that they said was from him trying to so save if her he life. So if he was wearing something over his clothing, like I'm saying, he would have not had it on the outside like that. Yeah. This is why I feel like I'm not really sure he did it, because essentially, when it comes down to the trial, the evidence that really seems to be the thing that put him in jail is just some blood splatter inside the cuff of his shirt that an expert said is because he hit her in the head. But it's like, in reality, if he has blood splatter on the outside of his shirt and they said that's from saving her, couldn't some of the blood also splattered inside of his shirt too while saving her, trying to save her? So it's like, it just seems... I feel like that makes more sense than it being from him killing her because if he was killing her, like I said, if you've ever seen a horror movie, that it would be all over him. Yeah. All over his face, all over his clothing, all over everything. You you could have possibly inferred that it was, um, like, where he was standing when he did it, like, because of the blood that, like, yeah. So, okay. You know when you see those things where, like, they splatter paint on you and then the person moves and there's an outline of them on the wall? Like, if he was standing in a certain spot and he killed her and the blood splattered on her, on him, like it would from bashing at a person's head, um, it would be, there'd be, like, splatters behind him leaving kind of, like, this is where he was standing and it went, like, around him. Yeah. So if you want to be, like, your blood splatter expert, like, that would be something I feel like would be helpful more to be like, oh, he was standing right here and he did it this way. Like, one, two, three hits in the blood, like. Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, that's partially why I'm not really sure about this one. Uh, there are still people who think John is innocent and... John continues to try to appeal the trial, but he's been denied a retrial every time, and he's still in prison now. So, that's So like, she knew about the phone calls before Valentine's Day? It seemed, yeah, she knew about, because she that talked was to a why, I feel like that's what was in her card then, like they... That's my She found why, out yeah. she had an affair, and she probably said something she didn't mean, and, you know, was like, I want a divorce, and even though he did an affair... 14 years of marriage, she's still gonna love him. Um, not to say that cheating is okay and that because of 14 years that she should be okay with him cheating. But after 14 years of him cheating, um, after him cheating, the love would still be there even if she didn't want it to be. Yeah. So for her to be like, I still love you, and her note makes it seem like it wasn't something that was horrible, it was just, she found out he was having an affair, which is horrible. But... I don't know if it's enough that, like, the mistress would have killed her or he would have killed her. Yeah. I get, I was to just be like, we're getting a divorce, I get that that's upsetting to him, but I don't know if he would turn all, if I can't have you, no one can. Yeah. I was gonna say, it's like, you said, like, after an affair, like, the love just wouldn't go away. It's like, have you ever seen Crazy Stupid Love? It's essentially, like, the whole point of the movie. The wife had an affair, and then the love didn't go away. It's essentially the whole thing. Not to say that a woman is supposed to still be in love with the man after that, but like somebody does. You could be together for fifty years. It just depends on the person. So yeah. So I mean, my other thoughts is just like the whole blood splatter thing. There's so many reasons there could have been blood there, and the whole point of the trial is to exhaust all the options. Yeah, it's like you're supposed to prove they did it beyond a reasonable doubt, and if you ask me. There's still a lot of doubts that he did it. There was no, like, nail in the coffin, like, evidence brought up. So it's like, and it's I feel like they question didn't that do their job. They always ask, like, in true crime shit, do you know anyone who would want to harm your wife? And it's like, uh, yeah, my whole town, you probably. Yeah, all of you are anti-abortionists. Like, so, that's why, like, also, I mean, this, like, I've obviously... I researched these and I've been thinking about it for a while, but I find it odd how the first two crimes we talked about, the murderers confessed, 
and didn't get life sentence. But then this one, the dude doesn't confess. They have not very good evidence, and he gets life in prison. Like it, seems, it seems like the jury of his peers or whatever that was, you know, being like not analyzing him, the judge, of course, were probably people who just didn't like him. That's true. And they were probably having that cloud their judgment. If you, because they didn't like him for what he did. So being like, let's give him a life. He did it 100%. And not even like looking at the option of he didn't do it. Because they're angry at him, so why would they... Why would they? Yeah. I mean, if they were sane, they would, but it seems like that might have been what happened. That could be. What? Yeah, that could be it. But... Because, yeah. I mean, we live in a conservative town, and so I know how it is about conservatives and abortions. They get really angry. Yeah, they get so very So, to upset. be mm-hmm. so angry to put the doctor in life for something he didn't do possibly i mean there this is like i didn't put this in my notes but i said like they received threats uh one of the things that the anti-abortionist did was like put up wanted pictures with his face on it and it said like wanted for murder because he would perform abortions so abortion is not murder yeah it's just a medical procedure that some people need and even if you don't need it some people want it and you shouldn't be stopping them just because you're your religion so well it seems like you're not wanting to dive into it but i'll say what i'm gonna say um <laughs> abortion is not murder and even when people are like well what if they were raped what if they were molested um yes that is a valid reason but another valid reason is they cannot afford it. So maybe if they had the child and they gave it up for adoption, you would still judge them. So it's like, are you going to adopt? No? Okay, shut up. Yeah. So I'm tired of people being like, giving the worst exhausted reasons for abortions. <clears throat> and there are so many other reasons why it is valid. And why it is a valid option for many different lifestyles of people yeah well they one is they couldn't be a good parent they couldn't afford it it could be life-saving to the person who's carrying the child the fetus like there's so many other options and i'm so tired of people being like well this is the only reason why it should be okay and it's like no there's there's a lot of reasons. a lot of reasons doesn't even really need a reason so yeah i do agree and I feel uh, like the police were probably on the side of not liking him. Possibly. I mean, police are often conservative people. So, I mean, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, this episode went longer than I expected. Uh, I thought it was just going to be a real quick one. I honestly thought I was going to talk through all three of these really fast. And then I guess it ended up being, like, the length of a normal episode. So, but that's everything I had to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you have anything else to add, or are you good? Um, don't murder your spouse. That's true. Yeah, don't murder your spouse. Get marriage counseling. Get a divorce. <sighs> communicate. Yes, communicate. Even if there are children, you need to communicate, not stay together for the children, because in That's... my own experience, it does not work that way. It's still bad. So... Yeah. Also, if you are in a abusive relationship, um, try to um, reach out to anybody. There are resources for you. Even if you feel like there's nothing you can do, you have some options. Um, you should probably leave phone numbers. Since I... we talked about suicide and oh, yeah. other things, you should probably leave some some phone numbers and some information for you in the description. Yeah, there's there'll, there'll be some stuff in the description for you to look at. And also we should probably put a warning at the beginning. Oh yeah, all that a warning. A lot of triggering things said in this podcast, so maybe watch something happy comforting after this. I know that Bailey Sarian always says that like true crime doesn't really get to her. For us true crime junkies, it doesn't really bother us as much. But there are still some things that sting. Yeah. So if you need to comfort yourself for a second, 
Um, you should do that because there's a lot of things in this episode that are not happy. <laughs> yeah. So, I guess that's it. Check out the links and stuff and the resources in the description. Check out our social media in the description. Share this podcast. Give somebody a hug. As Bailey Sarian says, make good choices. <laughs> make good choices, yes. And if you go to Apple Podcasts and you give us a five-star rating and review, uh, we'll read it on the show at the end. So go do that. Give us something to read. If you have a message for us, tell us. And if you have thoughts about these three cases, uh, you can either email us at our email in the description or tweet at us or whatever at our social media. So, yeah, that's it. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Thank you.